0: recording studio at Wimberley Road welcome to Extraordinary Joe's where we tell the extraordinary stories of ordinary people just like you and me each week we'll sit down with a special guest and hear the story of their life career and lessons they've learned along the way after spending some time with our guests you just might realize that your next extraordinary story is well within reach thank you so much for joining us today let's get started up coffee company with owner and sometimes operator, Bo Man. We're going to get to all about uh, Bo and his story in just a minute, but Bo, we always start with the aggressive hello
1: if you're ready. Oh gosh, let's do it. All right,
0: here we go. Uh, I'll start you off easy because I know you're a little nervous about the aggressive hello. Real nervous, man.
1: Uh, Favorite childhood television show? You know, your first guest actually reminded me because, like, I've heard the podcast a couple of times. Your first guest reminded me though of my first true television love, which was Bobby's World. No way, Bobby's World, dude! Bobby's World is awesome. That don't was you, don't you know Bobby? You remember that? <laughs> Same cartoons, yeah. Oh, dude, Bobby's World was my favorite. I kept thinking, like, when I was hearing that the first couple of times, like, I don't remember my first. Everybody kept saying, like, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, Saved yeah. by the Bell obviously has its has its place. Yes. But childhood show like I woke up on Saturday morning like to watch Bobby's World. What about Doug?
0: Doug funny. You know that guy lives in Brunswick. Yeah, I've
1: met him.
0: Have you really? I haven't. I want (laughs) to get on Todd, pod, maybe. Definitely, I would. Okay, Bobby's World, Bobby's World, man,
1: all day long. Maybe Ninja Turtles a little bit. All right, before they got
0: on steroids. Definitely,
1: I'm not sure about the new ones. Favorite non coffee drink. (sighs) This is this is embarrassing. Diet Coke. Really? I love Diet Coke. I've always loved Diet Coke. How do you even, take before, your... even before I was chubby, I like, needed to drink Diet Coke. <laughs> I love Diet Coke. How do you take your coffee? Black. Okay. And with cream and sugar. Either way, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in during the day. Right now, I'm drinking black coffee. I usually start with black, black, black coffee, end with black coffee, during the middle of the day, cream and sugar. I don't know if you know this.
0: Or clean. According to uh, Lance we part of Lance, yes. uh, afternoon time is a good time for a little green tea.
1: You know, so, I have begun to partake began to partake in tea in the afternoons. My wife started buying uh, Earl Grey for the house, and at night I'll, like, I'll have a little Earl Grey. How many cups a day are you on? Oh, uh, gosh. So it depends. Like, if I'm in the store here, I drink, like, these little 8-ounce cups. I just, like, keep these going all day. Like, these little small 8-ounce, like, traditional cafe cups. Yeah. I just keep, like, half full, and I just drink throughout the whole day. Um, if I'm working somewhere else, like at one of my other places, or doing something else, I'm probably—I I mean, I'm like at least six to eight cups a day. No way. At least, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh... Wait, I, I drink. I'll say this: I'm not opposed like being a coffee purist and a coffee shop owner. I should be better than this, but I'm not opposed to, like, drinking crappy coffee and reheating it through the day, too. So, okay. like, if I'm somewhere where I don't have good coffee, but I have some left over, I'll reheat it and keep going. Yeah. So, like, as far as the volume of coffee, I don't know, probably, like, 40 to 50 ounces maybe a day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not no, terrible. No, that's not. It's not too bad. It's not terrible. Okay. It's like six to eight cups. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> feels like a lot. So, okay.
0: okay. Uh, maverick or Goose? <sighs> that's a hard one, man, but Goose. Yeah. Talk to me, Goose. All right, Goose. Come on, but Goose dies. Yeah. Sea <sighs> shocker. Sequel coming soon. Yeah, I don't know you gonna see it?
1: Yeah, for sure. How would you I not got, see it? You gotta at
0: least see it. I like
1: Maverick too, though. Let's not let's not hide it, though. Yeah, that's that's too hard. to... I like both. Favorite place you traveled? Oh, gosh, I loved Morocco. Morocco was like my favorite place I've ever been, and I would like to live there again someday. It was really really awesome. Um, yeah. Favorite beard product? Favorite none. Zero. I don't believe in it. I just grow it and man through the itchiness of it. And just... No. You just not use any beard oil in there? No, dude. I'm use... not either. Just I don't record. use beard oil. For the record, I'm not it feels like it defeats the purpose of me. If you're going to be like manly and grow a beard, don't church it up. <laughs> well, I feel like it does. It makes it look nicer. I'm not into a beard to look nicer. I'm into a beard to look rugged and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I feel like my wife would judge me if I use beard products. All right, you're more of a man than me. Do you use beard products? To say. No, I don't.
0: I, I don't use beard products, but I do want my beard to look nice. <laughs> so I, <laughs>
1: my, my beard looks nice once every like four months when I actually trim it down, and then I just let it grow.
0: When the podcast starts making money, then yeah, I mean, I, I I might use a beard
1: product. I can't afford them right now. Especially if you got sponsored by like a beard product. Yes, company. Uh, do you know any? Let's talk about it. I feel like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, like those are the types of companies that advertise on them. You know what I mean? Okay. Like Dollar Shave Club or like places, you know. So if you make a beard
0: don't... oil and you want to sponsor Extraordinary goes,
1: <laughs> let, let me know.
0: Okay. Uh, last book you read.
1: Last book I read. Oh, gosh. Be Kind um, came out like two years ago. So be Kind, t- t- try. yeah, I'm, try. I'm trying to think. I listen to books on tape. Does that uh, count? Sure. I recently listened to the, Donald, the story brand. Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, um, hang on, route? let me go through my... Uh, I started one recently that's pretty like heavy. And it was recommended by our friend Drew. The Color of Law. It basically is about like how uh, finance and uh, mortgage rates and banking... like kind of intentionally segregated uh, the U.S. after, you know, specifically after, like, World War II when, you know, they say, like, a bunch of Americans came into wealth or began to establish wealth because they came back from war and they could buy a house. And, you know, people say that housing is how you develop wealth. Um, What other things do I have here? I have a really bad habit of, like, starting a book or listening to starting a book and forgetting it. it Like uh, Malcolm Gladwell? I love Malcolm's suppose Supposedly, he's got a new one I can't remember the name of it. My dad's David and really... Goliath is the last one i no, read. A, yeah. There's a new one out that says really good. Um, I'm a big like, I loved Outliers. Yeah. Big thing of that. I wanted to plan my children. uh their burrs around that. Yeah. How's that going? Terribly. <laughs> they're both born late in the year and will never make the uh, all-star team and never <laughs> develop and never get college scholarships and never go pro. It's a good thing. during go. it. December 1st man. I can, apply, I can hold them back. We, you know, people do that. Yeah. I can hold them back to start a year later. I'm yeah, in mean, your homeschool right now, so you could just whenever you get I ready to like, No, you know, they're like, that's you true. You could just say three grades below. Yeah, but you know, the kids can't play in high school anymore. Like the, the Tim Tebow rule got voted down in Georgia, so like you can't put a uh, homeschool kid in the public they school. They gotta be in, in public, public school. school. Yeah, exactly. Just wait till they're like 20 and put
0: them in as a oh, freshman. In school. That's, that's, true. True. that's right. <laughs> it's a <in> ninth grade. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, yeah. You don't want to ask me the history question because you feel like people are
1: blowing that one. How yeah, about they're, they're blowing that one. Small thing that makes you happy. Small thing that makes me happy. Oh, gosh. That one's loaded. I knew you were going to ask that, and I had a really good answer last week when I was thinking about it, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, small thing. I mean, coffee makes me really happy, man. Really? Well, eight cups a day. I'll do it. a small thing that makes me really happy. Literally, it's a small thing. It's this tiny little seed inside this little cherry that grows on the tree in these weird places around the world. Coffee makes me really happy. All right, you survived. My with... family makes me happy. I don't know. You yeah. See, people are going to listen
0: later like you did and just judge you about missing that question. I know, right? It's okay. You're, in my eyes, you're an extraordinary job. Thanks, man. Hey, uh, thanks for playing along, Bo, and uh, could you please uh, introduce yourself a little bit more to our audience?
1: Tell us who you are and uh, what you do. All right. My name is Bo Mann, and I am the founder of Wake Up Coffee Company. So, I own um, two or three uh, coffee retail shops. And Wait, do you have two or three? Because I'm concerned about right <laughs> now
0: the future of Wake Up,
1: if you're not sure. So, we technically have three. One of them is temporarily closed down while we reorganize it. Okay. Um, is that up? So that- that's the Palm, Palm Street place. Okay. And we, we keep, I, I hesitate to say we're about to reopen it because we're always about to reopen it. Yeah. Um but really and truly we are about to reopen. Oh gosh, I guess I have almost four really. So we're about to reopen Palm Street, uh mostly like an auxiliary baking and prep space. Okay. Um but it will be open like it's like a pop-up shop, you know what I mean? For like yeah. limited hours in the morning for like the Glenhaven neighborhood that kind of thing. Yeah. And so we're about to reopen that and we just signed a lease i say Jen. is this breaking this is breaking Oh, it's oh no, no, no. okay so we signed the lease in december right before Avonlea, our new little girl was born um for a double drive-through spot in in sunny brunswick georgia okay and so it's an old checkers or it's actually central park was the name I yeah. we remember. central yeah. park yeah. which or... was like
0: weird because it was just, it was
1: just like Checkers. Oh, totally. it was just like Checkers. i think they might be home by the same company so it's a double yeah. drive through building. It's totally like cursed and haunted. People have been there since Central Park left. They're there for like a year and they leave. Where is it? Um, on Altama. I think that's Altamont. Is, is it, it? like runs right in front yeah. of the college, in front of Big Lots, in front of? Is it where snowballs went? Exactly, snowballs. Snowballs didn't make it. No, didn't make it. Again, not. like I said, like okay. ten people have been in there in the last ten years, and it's cursed. But we're gonna come through, and we're gonna make it. Yeah, when is that coming? So we actually are just talking with our painters today, and so uh, we'll start painting minimal construction on the inside. We'll start like equipment purchases and stuff this week as well. I think we'll launch that shop like late February. Wow so it's that cool. i guess will be three and then we'll call palm street like three and a half you know because it's like first. a half day here first that's also strict, strictly drive-through. strictly drive-thru strictly drive-thru so what we've done is you know we're, we've really been like against the drive-thru thing because so much of what we do in our shops is is like community oriented yeah. and relationship oriented and stuff and so we have really kind of tried to stay away from the drive-thru thing but the people have spoken and now that I have kids and have to wrangle them and don't want to get out of the car, but still want a coffee sometimes, yeah. I see other people's perspectives of going, man, I wish you just had a drive through sometimes. Because some of us, you know, there's a lot of times where you and I can sit together and we can have a coffee, but right. there's other times where, like, you're going crazy, you've got both your kids, you're trying to get from thing to thing, and you don't want to, you know, go somewhere else. You want to support something that you and that you like and yeah. believe in, and also, you know, it's just better. Okay. And so, yeah, we're going to open a drive through man. And then we're going to open Palm Street back up. Palm Street's coming back okay
0: so you're you're an owner of of several or more coffee shops yeah um how give me give me the origin story because i know i don't don't even know this This is usually i ask questions under the institute i'm sort, sort of curious but i know a little bit about it okay all i know is um that after college at some point you traveled the world and then you came back and you started a coffee shop that's right but there's more to it that's it yeah (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Give me like, so t- t- tell
1: a little bit about your travels and what you were doing and why you were traveling and um, so yeah so after college I came honest uh, back home got an internship that turned into a job um, was well, actually a really a great church um, and I just was really at that time and still like really into the idea of like social justice and um, basically like just the just the crazy imbalance in the world like economically and just the different opportunities as well. Or the lack of opportunities for a lot of other places, um, and so at some point during that time, I just decided even, like it was time for me to put my money where my mouth was. Like I could read about it, talk about it, like try to encourage other people to learn about it. Um, but unless I kind of went and saw it myself and did something physically, like with my own hands, about it, then um, maybe I did it. I, I don't know. I was just looking for that perspective. So I quit my job and I basically just signed up for like a bunch of different like missions and relief trips. Um, And so I spent part of my time. My first bit was actually in Romania um, on a mission trip with that church. Um, And that was kind of the thing that like launched me into doing other things. So I went to Romania for a little bit. uh, Met a guy, Sammy. You ever met Sammy who works here? I don't think Uh, strange. Super handsome European tall man. Okay, (laughs) some people Uh, usually describe
0: me that way.
1: (laughs) So, me and Sammy. So, Sammy, I met Sammy when he was like 12 years old. It's wild now because he's now moved to the states and he lives here and temporarily now he's working with us, which is just really weird. I met him in this strange, like, little, uh, like, gypsy village. Um, It it was crazy. Anyway, so I I went to Romania and for the first time, like, kind of saw poverty. Um, and then after that I, I came back um and was quickly launched into a trip into like north africa and i lived in north africa for, like three and a half months wow. it was pretty intensive um missions and relief uh, training group there yeah it was awesome it was amazing to see you know northern africa is predominantly uh islamic and so like to to live in that kind of culture especially at the time this was like I don't even know what year. I mean, we're still in the middle of Iraq like as a, as a company. I mean, as a, <laughs> as a country. Yeah. Um, and so it was just really cool to get a new perspective and to kind of see um, that culture like face-to-face and live in it and be a part of it and see how beautiful and amazing the people were and it, it was. Um, so I did that for a bit, came back again for a little while, then spent time in Haiti with some friends, and then uh, really, really saw poverty there. Um, and then came back and did a couple other things, but basically like the, the recurring theme during my time there was just the, 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 oppor- the lack of opportunity and just the, the poverty that people lived in, which was mm-hmm. just, was unbelievable. And to see that firsthand, and I kind of just kept in my head that idea of like one, now that I know I've got to do something, Yeah, you know what I mean? And so, um, from that kind of theme that was just revolving in my head, like now that I know I've got to do something, um, and also, like, in Northern Africa, so much of that culture, like, as men, was we spent time in the afternoons in cafes and in tea shops and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I wasn't, like, guy that, like, went to college, worked in a coffee shop, and, like, fell in love with coffee and right. brought it. You know, I didn't really, I mean, I drank coffee in college to stay awake for exams yeah. and stuff, but I didn't fall in love with coffee really until I was in Northern Africa and really there wasn't the quality of the coffee as much as it was the culture mm-hmm. that a cafe created so I fell in love with the cafe culture um, there and just the you know the fact that I could sit at a table with a guy who has a totally different belief system than I do that you know from the news back home you know everybody would think that the two of us hate each other right. um, because of what we believe and are against each other and just to be able to like bridge that gap and have an awesome conversation And, uh, yeah, just that time, that that cafe culture I fell in love with there. So all of that spun into, at the time, uh, I learned a lot about the fair trade movement and what fair trade was and basically the idea. It was newer
0: back then, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: It was newer back then. So the idea of, like, paying uh, people a higher premium, uh, a premium on top of, in coffee's case, like a commodity price, um, paying them a premium to basically have um, ethical, you know, Strong ethical uh, background and sustainable practices in there. Let me yeah. ask you, I don't, I don't want you to lose a train. Totally. What is,
0: and I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. What is unfair trade? Like, if I was going to con- compare and contrast. Oh, man. Because now, so let me say this. Yeah. It feels like now you walk in any place and there's some fair trade. Like, everyone's, totally. no one's going to say, hey, we're just doing it, we're treating people like crap. <laughs> like, now you almost have to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's saying it. Yeah. But what does it really look like if, if you're doing fair trade and this guy's not,
1: what would that look like? Totally. So that's the beauty of, that's actually part of the story and part of the evolution of Wake Up is that as, as, a, as a coffee company, um, that's kind of part of our story and part of what we're trying to figure out. Um, but at the start, it was very much like people were buying coffee. Coffee is a, is a commodity. It's traded as a commodity. It's the third, uh, It's the third most popular, most traded commodity in the world uh besides uh gasoline and uh, oil and uh oh gosh is it the second most god i'm rusty i should have had this it's actually the second highest it's the second most traded commodity Mm -hmm. in the world besides gasoline and so uh coffee is set on futures future prices like basically people um predicting the future of the coffee market and so um, it's called a, a c price or a commodity price so commodity price of coffee. Right now, I haven't even looked in a long time, I should look, this is pretty bad prep for a podcast. Yeah. But I mean, say it's like a dollar thirty, yeah. um, per pound. Well, the fair trade idea was no matter what the commodity price is, we'll pay a premium, of 50 cents or a 55 cents premium on top of that commodity to ensure that you're using, you know, you're abiding by our fair trade practices, which is, you know, no children in the workforce, no slave labor being used, you're using environmentally sustainable practices, that kind of thing. Is there, is there some <clears throat> organization that? Yeah, there is. It? So there is an organization and that organization's kind of come under scrutiny, um, specifically from the coffee folks. In the last handful of years because so many people in coffee have have adapted those principles and said hey we want you know either you know we want ethically sourced coffee so what we're going to do is we're going to say like fair trade isn't good enough like that right. 50 cent premium is still not enough and two part of the obstacle is there's a hurdle in joining that fair trade group because the producer the farmer had to pay a fee to be a part of that group right. and had to pay to have uh, people come and inspect and prove that they were what they were saying they were. Yeah. So coffee has evolved in a way that now, like you said, everybody in coffee is, is serving an ethically sourced coffee, which is awesome. That's, I feel like that's like what the whole, the whole dream of this fair trade movement was. Yeah. Now, there are people that would argue, like, how do you... Okay, so if you're saying direct trade and you know I'm paying somebody a premium for this quality coffee how are you proving that without some sort of standardized um, sure. you know body uh, watching over it and, and making sure that you're you know you're doing what you say you're doing yeah. and so that's part of our evolution as a company has been when we first started what really set us apart was that we were a fair trade coffee company and so that was kind of like a selling point for us yeah. you know what I mean especially as a for-profit company because most most shops at the time, this is you know ten or eleven years ago when we started, were if they were a fair trade company, they were either like attached to a church or they were a nonprofit or something like right. that. And so, um, the industry as a whole has evolved, and now pretty much everyone in specialty coffee is using ethically sourced yes, right. coffee, where they know the producer, they know the stories. You know, they're watching, um, they're watching the, tra- you know, they're making sure that there's transparency yeah. in, in the line from from seed to cup. So, um, you had mentioned that you, you went on these trips and your,
0: your eyes were open to some things that you weren't aware of. And you said, uh, you said, now, now that I know I gotta do something, mm-hmm. what was different about you or, wh- or wh- what tugged at you that made you take action? Because today's, today we, we all know everything, right? There's no surprises. Totally. Now I would assume that it's very different for you to stand face to face with people, and be on the ground. Yeah. So maybe that's one difference, but what, what do you think propelled you to action
1: when when most of this knowledge is not the problem? Right. I, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, I think that's just like, that's the way I'm kind of wound. Yeah. I'm kind of wound into like, when I when I see a problem, I kind of want to solve it. I sure. want to figure out how to contribute to it. Um. And so, you know, for me, I just saw a really practical way to do it. And so... I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering that question no, no. right.
0: I just know that I just know that uh, I think the, the personal side of it, like uh-huh. you're, you're there, right. you looking people in the eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that 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 uh, made an impact. Yeah. But also know that man, we so so many of us, all of us, know what's going on.
1: Right. Turn on the TV. Go. I think at know. that time we didn't though. It's you different. know what I mean? It's different, and that's weird to say that like 10 or 11 years sure. ago it was different. But it is, and then that that's really strange. Uh, I think it was more of like a subculture. It was, uh, I guess, kind of that awakening or that knowledge of it was kind of, and like I said, that was what, that was one of our advertising and like selling points was that we were this company that was forward thinking and was looking at the ethics and the and the practice you know the trade practices behind this stuff you know this is like pre-tom shoes now right. everybody has a story that they're attached to right, right. and that's part of what the story brand whole thing is about right. like, you know what's the story what's the story so yes. everybody was telling the story and so for us i think what what we thought at the time set us apart was that we were telling the story and then internally we were telling the story uh, as a, again, for-profit business instead of a non-profit um, in that kind of fair trade world. And so, and, and there were others doing it. There were other people that we learned along the way that were doing awesome jobs. There's actually another company here in Georgia, Cafe Campesino of Americas, and they were just crushing it and doing a great job. And we were a partner with them for a long time, actually. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, there was this kind of like, some people were, I guess, quote-unquote, enlightened to the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was again, like I said before. God, Tom Shoes, man, they really changed. Didn't they like really changed our did. our I like, you did. You our heard consumer now. Nah. Nah. <laughs> well, I so said, what, what, to me, what what I've makes you? I never thought about that. Dang, what do you get, Tom?
0: What makes you? Uh, you know, his name is not Tom, actually. Yeah, right. what's his name? Uh, didn't he like live on a sailboat in the San Francisco Bay or at something? At one point. At one point. So, to me, what makes you extraordinary is. I think we're, that you're uh that you take an action yeah yeah and that's a you know so many people in fact i'm um, um i'm reading some more about that now I'm doing some writing about like just you gotta do stuff uh-huh all the and i'm bad about this like it's easy well I'm, I'm proud of the podcast like it's an action like, yeah it's an, but it's easy to like tinker and ponder and think and like read and write and uh but but action is like action wins you know yeah you do stuff um I want to ask you this. Uh, I think I know your answer, but I want to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. I, cannot, I cannot confirm the validity of this story, okay? <laughs> I, I love that you don't know where I'm going. Oh, You're a little nervous. No, okay. it's, not, it's not. It's nothing to be nervous about. I went to a, a, conf- a Bob Goff conference. Action. Let's, let's go back to action later. But yeah, okay. Right. Action. I went time? to a Bob Goff conference, and there's a guy there. And again, I, I can't, like, they, they may deny it. I, I, I may screw the whole story up. There's a guy there who worked for Donald Miller. Uh-huh. And um, he told me the story that Donald Miller was working on a book that never, it never published, which he had a be pretty awesome just like do all this research and never published it. Right. But, uh, but he was working on this book, that never published, and he interviewed like um, famous successful people. The name Pete Carroll was thrown out, who's the uh, head football coach for the uh, Seahawks. Seahawks, there was a couple others. But the, the, uh, te- the teaching point of the theme was that these people thought they were special. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how you ask somebody that, uh, but these people thought they were special. And not in, a, a supposedly, not in an arrogant way, uh-huh. but they believed they had something unique about them that they had to offer.
1: Oh gosh. Uh, you don't feel that way. Maybe. Keep going. No, that's that's it. That's it. That's the question. Do I feel that way? Yeah. So this is weird because my wife and I actually, we were talking about some stuff last week and she was just saying like, why do you, why do you feel like you've got to do this great something? Like even in the middle of this, like I always, I think maybe I I do feel that way, but not in an arrogant way, because I also like it and like. I also, a lot, for the most part, don't feel like I have anything to offer, but I do. I feel like I do kind of have this, like, maybe it's just a personality trait of specific people, but, like, I I do feel like I've got to do something great with my life, and I have felt that way. I remember feeling that way since I was a teenager. Yeah. Which is weird to, like, admit that, especially if people Uh, listen to this. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. This is embarrassing. You know what I mean? Because, like, how do you say that without sounding like you're totally into yourself and you're... Right. No, I think you're you're good. No. But yeah, I've always felt that way. And that was weird that, that my wife asked that last week when she's like, you know what? Because I was telling her, yeah, I was struggling with like not feeling like I'm solving something or I'm not executing on something or I'm not like, what's my next big thing? 100%. And because I always feel that way. And she's like, why can't you just be? And, and I said to her, it's like, you know, and this was my way of saying like, what if my most important job is to raise the kid who cures cancer? And she's like, our kid's not going to cure kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? How yeah. dare you say that? Our kid can cure. But yeah. she's like, why does everything have to be this big? Like, That's I, I, just the way I felt. Like, as long as I can, I mean, not as long as I can remember, but I specifically remember like starting to have that feeling in high school. Yeah. And I don't know that, I don't think that wake up is going to be the thing that like changes the world or whatever. Um, but at the time it felt like it was a tangible step that I had to take. Yeah to help uh enlighten our community on the issues and and to do our part and in, in how we were purchasing coffee and in retail goods and things like that that actively participating in solving the problems yeah. does that make sense yeah and so it's a bigger problem than just a handout you know that was kind of our idea was like the, we've got to solve the uh the economic problem of you know uh charity um and so um yeah, and now that's a big movement, like microfinance is a big thing, you know, people are really involved in like helping people help themselves is the big thing, yeah. you know, or when Helping Hurts is a really interesting book, you know, about like, you know, all these missionaries or all these groups come in from out of town and they bring, you know, all their building materials and they build a house. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Right. First of all, you guys don't know how to build a house. Second of all, like you could have bought all of those goods from all the local stores right. or all the local people. Um, Just kind of that idea of basically like helping people be more self-sufficient and it being a bigger economic uh, problem than just what a handout can can cure. Does that make sense? Do you feel that way? That's weird. I've never heard that. Do I feel special? That people feel that, yeah. I don't feel special. I mean, I'm like the most boring person in the world. <laughs> well, okay, so so if I'm not working, like I'm at home hiding under the covers because I'm exhausted this from is, like talking. Yeah, this is
0: worth noting, though. The, the, this is the point of the show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm not not for you. Worth noting for you, but worth noting for people listening is, I and I've said this several times, but I, I, I listen to these podcasts. For example, yeah. real estate. Uh-huh. I, I enjoy I enjoy real estate investing in real estate, studying about it. Just it's interesting to me. I'd like to do more of it. So you turn on this podcast. It's like, welcome to the show, uh, 25-year-old uh, Billy with $4.000,000,000. You know, it's like, I can't relate to that guy. <laughs> you know? And so, right. And so here I am listening to Billy, who's like 22, and he's he's got $4 million in real estate assets. Yeah. And they start talking to him, and, and there's almost, I mean, you can learn from him, but it just feels like so far away. Totally. And so, same thing with the, you know, tons of podcasts that I would listen to, and there's a bunch of great ones, but um, there were interview-style podcasts like this, talking to people. It felt a little bit out of reach for me. Mm-hmm. So, the goal for me is to talk to ordinary people mm-hmm. with extraordinary stories, uh, even if they don't feel like they're extraordinary. Uh, business owners, coffee shop people, mm-hmm. people doing things in the community. So, um, I, I just, I, I was curious, but I thought that was fantastic. Uh, the Donald Miller story because because I can look at Pete Carroll and be like that guy's doing great things yeah and the stories that come out of there about how he's managing like grown football men right and getting them to care and have fun and do yoga and like be mindful and yeah. all those things he's it's very impressive right and so it, it would make I mean you, it feels like you have to be very confident in who you are in that role mm-hmm. um and I don't have an answer but I also wonder I wonder wondering out loud to everyone if if you don't have to feel like that you have something to offer Mm -hmm. so maybe special is not the right word it's the word they used Um, but but part of me wonders if you don't you like if you don't have to get to a point if you're going to do something meaningful Mm -hmm. and again like let's define meaningful around this extraordinary joke concept that means you have to change the world right change your kid's world or like be a great dad or be a great husband yeah but you have to. I almost wonder. And I'm, I'm convincing myself more and <laughs> more. But like, if you don't have to believe, you have something to offer. Because if you don't think that, first of all, no. Like, uh, unless you got a great mentor come on and say, "Hey, you got something special inside of you." But mm-hmm. you got to do something with your stuff. You know, you got to share or encourage or teach or, or act. You know, like you got to. You got to believe you got something to offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so I think. I mean, it sounds like you get this story, and you from all these places you traveled. And you come home, and it's like, it's not just well, I could I could do a coffee shop. Yeah. It's like if I do a coffee shop, it's going to look like this, and it can impact this. Yeah. Right. You got to believe that you can do something. Totally. So you asked about come back to action, but the, again, the impressive thing is. I mean, how many, like... Do we count as millennials? I don't
1: know. We're, like, right at the I past, feel like we're on the, the but good I feel like We're on the positive but side. But I don't identify. Okay. okay. My parents or someone else, like, I, our parents' age would probably disagree. They're like, oh, yeah, you totally identify. Okay, well... I don't identify, but yes. Okay. We get to choose,
0: right? Yeah. Anyways, like, how many millennial, you know, age dudes are, like, the, I, the dream is like, let sit around in a coffee shop. It's, you know, like, <laughs> that feels like the like one of the dreams that people have. Like, yeah. I'm going to hang out at my, my coffee shop. Right. That. But you did something. You A, you did it, and B, you did it for good reason. Yeah. How are you taking Wake Up and, and doing some of those positive things that you want to do? What, what impact do you feel like y'all are making?
1: So for us, it kind of comes back to how we've evolved as a company over the last 11 years or so. And that, you know, we started out with this grand global mission of, you know, our, our whole thing was we wanted to uh, encourage people globally by, by involving people locally. That was like that, our big, our big shtick, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted to educate our community about the injustices happening around the world. And we wanted to give them a, a super easy way to help, you know, to, to act upon those injustices and contribute to, to what was happening. Is that, I'm sorry, is that basically by buying your totally, coffee? Totally. Like I Yeah, what yeah. I meant to say is a really practical way to, okay. to contribute. It's a practical way to contribute um, to helping you know, producers in, uh, in all of these uh, countries, uh, impoverished countries, um, was to basically just buy a cup of coffee that we were sourcing from them for a fair, reasonable price right. that helped encourage their current economic situation Again, made sure no children were using the workforce, made sure they were using environmentally sustainable practices, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, how, what more practical, like what easier way is there than to just buy a cup of coffee from us? Yeah. And so, a lot of times that got lost in the mix, and I don't know if we communicated that well or what. It's easier now because, one, everyone's doing it. Two, everyone's a little more enlightened, like we're more enlightened consumers than we were back then. Um, but what, what, what happened for us is we, like, we transitioned kind of Uh, internally as a company now obviously we still source awesome coffees from uh, awesome producers um, that we believe in Um, but the ethics of the coffee trade within specialty coffee in particular um, which we're a specialty coffee shop you know we're not um, we're not serving like lower grade you know um, coffee we're a specialty coffee shop but everyone started sourcing good coffee Um, a good coffee became readily available to consumers you know U.S. consumers became more enlightened and more aware of what good coffee was, and the coffee coffee was growing and growing and growing. But for us, what we realized one thing that when we started, we were really uh, engaged in global community, and and we kind of we I guess we downplayed what's impact we were having locally. Yeah. And so what we realized, you know, five years in or so, is like we're creating this as Howard Schultz with Starbucks says is this this third space. Mm-hmm. So now our big thing is like we're a people shop that loves coffee. You know, our yeah. kind of mantra within our management team is people matter, remind them. Mm-hmm. And so like what we realized so is that people were so hungry for a place where they could just come and they could just be. And again comes back to that culture uh in North Africa that I fell in love with that cafe culture. Coffee shops are just that. Like like Howard Schultz says, they're that third space. Mm-hmm. They're the place where people, you know, sit next to somebody that they would never talk to in a million years and strike up a conversation and get to know them. I can't tell you how many people we've, like, connected to other people in our cafes for jobs and for, like, uh, that have just become friends by kind of rubbing shoulders in these cafes. And so what we realize is that we're, like, this cultural uh, middle place between, you know, all of these different people from all these different walks of life and so what we've really done now that separates us since not everyone is doing you know uh well-sourced ethical coffee but the majority of specialty shops are like 95 percent of them are and so what are the things because good specialty coffee is readily available now what are the things that are going to distinguish us and separate us yeah and what we've really leaned into is that man we're like a community hub and we love that yeah if you notice like everybody that works for us we are people first like we're right. going to always be people first coffee second and we love coffee and we want to make you one of the best cups of coffee you've ever had but we want to encourage that community um again we are our, our overall kind of mantra to the public is that yeah we're a people shop that loves coffee
0: and some of the, some of your employees have been with you for a really long time oh my gosh yeah man. Think, i mean i would think that um, a, a coffee shop job, not for everybody, and then mm-hmm. you have people who are managing, but it's sort of transitional, right? Yeah. You know, you got, need a job for the summer, college kid, you know. Right. I would think that that would be more, uh, you'd have more turnover, and yeah. I'm sure you have more than I realized, but you got a lot of people here yeah, that I recognize. That
1: that's, the, that's the crazy thing. What do you think that is? What have y'all been able to so do? we're just, do? I mean, we just have a really tight knit family of people, and again, when you, when, you, most of the people this is something I picked up from, from working in the church world is we we hire from within. I think it's a big Andy Stanley North Point thing, it's like you find your best volunteers and those are the first people you offer your jobs to. You know, we hire people that from within. We hire people that have that have been hanging out in the cafe mm-hmm. for a you know, a few months or six months or a year or whatever. I've never <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> heard you got a, heard you got another gig or so yeah. going on. Okay. So we hire people that are in our cafes because those are people that are already bought into what we're doing. They've been a part of our culture. They believe in what we're doing and they support what we're doing, you know? And so most of the and they already know all the people that work in the cafes because they're sitting at the bar all day, right. um, you know, or when they're not in class or whatever. And so for us, yeah, it is kind of a transient job for a lot of the college kids and things like that. But I mean, these guys have four, you know, guys and girls, they have three and four years here. Yeah. And so uh, if we can create a place where you know, they're, they feel welcome and they feel like their opinion matters and like their work matters and what they're doing is investing in this community. Um, and then for our part, for you know, myself, Randy, Evan, our management team, you know, Haley and Hunter, like, our part is making sure that they're leaving here better and more prepared. Um, that's kind of our new, like, that's the latest evolution of like what I do. Like I want our people to leave here as better employees and people that are contributing um, you know, to their workforce in, in meaningful, caring ways yeah. um, that aren't just, you know, boring, you know, uh, I don't know. Sure. Joe Blows. Yeah, <laughs> what, um, what's the biggest
0: challenge of managing this place? Oh,
1: man. College kids. <laughs> um. No, honestly, man, our staff is amazing, and that's yeah. what it makes us. Like, we really lean into the staff, um, or we really lean into, like, having a good staff. That's a really important part of us. The hardest part,
0: what was the question? What's the biggest challenge? What's the
1: biggest challenge?
0: I guess it's good to you to think about it. I know,
1: right? I think that, I don't know, it's probably more like an internal pull for, for me and for our management team. We have an awesome team. Um but being kind of that, um, being that we want to be like a, a cultural um, like epicenter for our community or whatever, it's just you've got to constantly be evolving and you've got to constantly be changing. And I think restaurants in general, like food service has to do that. So I watched on the Food Network the other day where the guy said something like that. Like, as a restaurant, you've got to continually change with the with the trends in food and with the styles and things like that. And sometimes that gets exhausting. Like, sometimes that gets hard, especially in specialty coffee, um, where like everybody's cool, man. Everybody's cooler than we are, and so it's hard to like look up to the people that are pushing specialty coffee forward. Uh, while still like recognizing, you know, the things that we can do within our specific cafe, within our, you know, small little South Georgia area, you know that we can't necessarily we can't necessarily execute and do a lot of the cool things that like this guy's doing in downtown L.A. Right? You know what I mean? Um,
0: but if I correct me if I'm wrong, but what I I feel like I've heard you say is, um, your story doesn't evolve uh, revolve around. Necessarily being hip,
1: right? I mean, it, I
0: get what you're saying. Yeah, but like, I went to a Starbucks in uh, somewhat like the Atlanta area, but it was called something, It was you, you know that or It was like Starbucks something. It was like spe- Starbucks Reserve. Yeah, yeah, that's and there's like, like baller
1: shops. Yeah,
0: but I mean, for me, I mean, I, I get I, like I just started getting an americano. And I'm like, <laughs> like I'm getting cool. <laughs> it's like chai, cup of coffee. American. I don't even know what it is but I like it right but there, are, there's like a sign that's like you know we can use a blowtorch to, <laughs> I'm not kidding like blowtorch may not be right but there's like seven <laughs> options for how they can do your coffee yeah there's like, like a million different you know different what i right? yeah, like we can do this like yeah. we can we can use a blowtorch we can like I don't even remember but it was really weird. I'm like you can, I didn't want to pay the $42 to have it, you know? <laughs> but there was a bunch of weird stuff they could do to make my coffee and right. there's all these gadgets and stuff yeah, like they really like, like, walk in there I don't. Who cares? I don't care. Now there's people in there uh-huh. who were getting their coffee,
1: you know, to a siphon
0: brew all this weird <laughs> stuff. And there's people who like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. But
1: if if you're trying to compete on community, right, it's different, right? Like, totally. So and I yeah. think that's that's again that challenge for us is it's just reminding ourselves, you know, why we're passionate about coffee and why we want to be progressive and moving forward in coffee. Yeah. Uh, reminding ourselves of what the main thing is for us, and the main thing for us again is people. Yeah, you know, and so just that tension of balancing that tension of loving our craft and loving, you know, um, loving specialty coffee while also loving our community and the values and the things that we contribute to the community. Reminding ourselves constantly that that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think that's probably our our biggest challenge.
0: What's been your the best thing for you What's your favorite thing about owning a coffee shop.
1: I love like working with college students, man. It's so great. I, I love seeing their transition from when they start, or the evolution from when they start to when they leave. And you know, we, honestly, like you said, we have a great staff retention, so it takes a long mm-hmm. time for them to leave. Um, but I love seeing them become adults. Like we've got one guy now who's an engineer. We've got another. Uh, a girl who is actually really good friends of ours and she just had a baby and it's it's just cool seeing their lives evolve yeah. and their change. And then another guy who's left, had a baby, worked in specialty coffee and other places and actually now he's about to come back and be part of our management team. That's awesome. Um, the, the amazing story of Evan Beard who yeah. I know you're going to do a pod with at some point but man, just walking through that guy's walking through that guy's cancer mm-hmm. treatment, you know, stage four cancer, walking through that with his family and right. with him and just seeing our like collective staff family support him and yep. love him. And whoo, it's hard to talk about that yeah. one without getting like tight in the chest, man. Yeah, um, you really
0: are a people shot. Like it sounds cheesy, but you really are people shot. Like, yeah, really really that's people it, show. man. We're, yeah,
1: absolutely. That's and awesome. So walking through that life with him and, and yeah, just walking through life with all these young kids has been awesome. It's my favorite part. What do you wish
0: people knew about Wake Up that they don't know, Maybe.
1: Whew. Just because we have multiple shops doesn't mean we're crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You count how many shops we have. Everybody thinks that when you got a bunch of shops, you're just crushing it. Oh, that's just so not true. Uh, that's one of the things. I mean, in this... Uh, you know in this game, you've got for us because we don't live in a big city where there's just a ton of volume. You know, you've got to have multiple shops to generate the volume, you've got to move to all the different pockets of the places to generate the volume in order to make a living at it. Um, that's the sidebar. I want to ask too because maybe
0: I'm the only one who doesn't know this, but I feel like this may be a little bit of an unknown is you have a um uh subscription like people can order coffee online right yeah yeah and totally to so shops so places. yeah so
1: we're a roaster as well and also, learned, yeah like, so that's another kind of when I think about like our shops I guess that's when I say like three or four or whatever you know we roast our own coffee for our own cafes but we also distribute to other cafes in the southeast um, restaurants uh, other coffee shops a few of the parkers here in town you know we do um, yeah so we're a, we're a wholesale roaster when can well. I can I, see, can I come here and see the yeah, stairs? Exactly? Yeah, you can come to St. Simon's. So, part of the move to the new St. Simon's store we just moved, the Aviator Plaza. Woo, You don't want a six We, got a, koi, we got a koi pond. <laughs> what? I think we might be the only shop in America with a koi pond. You, I've got listen. to figure out how to prove that, but I'm going to make a shirt that says we got a koi pond. You remember MTV Cribs? Y'all. Yeah. Y'all yeah. should do a
0: promo video Bro. of like MTV Cribs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, go.
1: yeah. we got a koi pond. So, yeah, so one of the big parts of moving uh, to our new location here is that we wanted to bring our roasting facility in house so that people could kind of watch the process. So, if you go downstairs and look through this big glass window, you'll see um, Hunter with his big, awesome, long red beard. No, oh. he's, he's done for the day. But uh, you can watch the roasting process, so you can watch, like I said, the little seed from the red cherry, you know, it's a little green seed. What time can I, and what day can I come watch the He roasting? roasts majority of the time on Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays in the morning. Okay. And so, occasionally, if we have like a big order come in last minute or something like that, I roast in the evenings, but it honestly makes the back space incredibly hot, mm. and so we try to just knock it out in the morning while it's still cool, so... What's next for Wake Up besides the 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 bomb that we dropped a year? Didn't yeah, do, didn't so yeah, so the next things is we're gonna do the drive through. Um, what we've decided is because specialty coffee is really within reach of pretty much everyone. There's in almost every town now. There's a specialty coffee shop, and so what a lot of a and a specialty coffee roaster as well. Like you know, like I said, the evolution of coffee is that people. In the last 10 years, is it's easy to source really good coffee, ethically sourced coffee, and it's easy to kind of get a roaster and kind of get started. Um, and so, you know, pretty much every, you know, decent sized town has their own coffee roaster. So for us, what we've decided is because of that, you know, we don't have these big goals of like franchising and moving what we want to do is just, and again, the fact that we've just really realized the the culture that we create for our community within our shops, we really want to own this town. Like we want, we want cafes, we want wake up to be, you know, just part of the fabric that's Glen County, that's Brunswick, that's St. Simons. And so for us, we want to do that. We're going to do the drive through. Um, we may do one more Brunswick shop, but our next spot is we want to do a shop on Jekyll. Oh, cool strangely enough which is weird but i've talked to a lot of people that love jekyll that have shops over there that say they do really well i'm still hesitant because like when we grew up, jekyll's like this sleepy little place yeah, that barely great. has anything yeah. way over there but yeah. now jekyll's hopping so we want to do a shop on jekyll um and then i think we'll do another brother shop like i said um and then i think we may we may try to carve out a niche like in smaller towns where maybe, like, other roasters or other Starbucks or whatever would it come to. So yeah. um, maybe down, like, in Camden County, there's not really a specialty coffee shop down there. Um, there's a killer spa shop in Jacksonville, so, you know, you don't want to go that far south or whatever. And then, again, there's a killer shop in Savannah. and There's a bunch of killer shops in Savannah, but a killer roaster in Savannah that's nationwide. So, you know, we're just kind of fine little pockets that are underserved that we think, again... For us, it is about bringing the coffee to that community, but it's also about bringing this third space, this hub, where people can can just be people and be together. Yeah,
0: uh, I love the uh, people matter remind people them.
1: matter remind them. that's, that's a big thing, man. So, yeah, just remembering their order, remembering their name, remembering you know what they told you they were going to do next week, asking them what they're doing today, you right. know, just engaging with people. And learning about their story yeah and, you know just being a part of their story that's that's our story uh,
0: that's,
1: <laughs> that's good and thank you so much
0: uh for taking the time i know you're super busy i feel like i uh, rambled man no it's great i appreciate you doing this and uh can't wait to to see how wake up keeps growing and uh checking out the new drive through shop Woo-hoo. and uh hopefully we'll get getting evan on the podcast
1: Charlie, dude told you that's the one that one's going to go viral everybody's going to be blown away well, crying on their in their cars listening to their pod
0: so uh evan
1: you're committed now thanks evan, you're bro. in you're in buddy best guy um, in america right there ladies and so gentlemen. hey thanks again both for taking the
0: time and i really appreciate it and I'll talk to you next time thanks steve you, man. special thanks to wake up coffee company for hosting this session of extraordinary joe's I appreciate you tuning in to hear more about the extraordinary story of Bowman and Wake Up Coffee Company, the things that they're doing in the community and the ways that they're trying to impact the world around them. I appreciate you being a listener and I look forward to talking to you next time.